Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thematic Commander. Uh, this week, as I promised, is going to be our Protoss-themed deck with Brea, Ethereum Saber, leading the charge. All right, and I'll see you on the other side. The swarm brought ruin to our world. Our proud people became refugees. And yet, they could not shatter our unity. For we are bound by the Kala, the sacred union of our every thought and emotion. Today, we retake our homeworld, and with it, our legacy. So, welcome back, everybody. I know it's been a really long time. A uh, lot of things have happened in my life, obviously, so that's probably why I couldn't get to doing the things I want to do, uh, like this. But not to say these other things aren't things I want to do, housework, a bunch of other stuff like that. But, so, like I said, today we're going to be doing um, the Protoss episode, the final one in our StarCraft trilogy, uh, and then we'll move on to other themed decks and things like that. Uh, a little recap on uh, what's been going on in my life before this. I've been looking at houses, I've been uh, working a lot, we had a pretty bad storm roll through and had a chainsaw a bunch of trees and everything like that for my work uh besides that with my D, &D game uh we are pretty far at this point uh what happened so probably the last thing everybody probably remembers i imagine as we went to the town where there was a weird lake and it was gelatinous cube we ended up defeating the gelatinous cube my brother was finally brought back uh from being possessed he's still possessed but uh, he's under sedation now, and oh, and then uh, I wasn't able to make it to one of the sessions, but from that point, oh, well, actually, first, most people couldn't make it to the session right after that, which I did do. Uh, we fleshed out a lot of backstory, it was a lot of RPing, uh, and then <clears throat> they decided to move on from that town. That's the one I really couldn't make it to. They've met a frost giant, we started making our way uh, to the spine of the world, and we're going to probably face the big baddie next game or not next game in the next like five or six games I would imagine uh, but we'll see with that uh, I also took my first steps into being a DM uh, running a game that is loosely based off of 40k but in a fantasy realm so kind of Warhammer but uh, I just take a lot of elements from Warhammer and incorporate it into my uh, D and D based game, uh, so that's with two of my friends. Uh, we're having, I think, I'm having a good time doing it. I hope they're enjoying it. I think they're enjoying it, but that doesn't really matter. Um, besides that, no real big news. Um, I've taken apart a lot of decks. I've built a lot of decks. I've kind of run through everything like that. Uh, every time a new set comes out, I feel like I'm tearing apart tearing apart a Boros deck to make a new Boros deck. Uh, but we'll finally settle on one at some point. 
Besides that, let's get on to the actual meat and potatoes of this episode. At last, the prophecy has been fully realized. And through a great sacrifice, we have been given hope. A vision from the Selnaka that may aid us in averting eternal desolation. Now, I must return to my people. They will not understand my actions, but I will face their judgment. Make them understand, for only Artanis, young hierarch of the Protoss, can unite our scattered factions as one, before Amon's wrath engulfs the galaxy. Uh, who you heard from there was Zeratul, one of the Dark Templar. Uh, if you're not familiar with StarCraft, or if you're not familiar with the Protoss in the StarCraft universe, uh, I will go over a brief summary of what the Protoss are. So the, the Protoss, firstborn, are a sentient humanoid species native to Ire. Their advanced technology complements and enhances their psionic mastery. The Protoss, I'll start from the beginning... I'll start from the beginning. So the Protoss were a species that was raised up during the... So, okay, my apologies. The entire universe that StarCraft is based in goes through different cycles um, where there is a rising of all sentient species to higher technology and then a destruction period in which the Zelnaga destroy all the cultures, take take a perfect form of a species that was raised during that um, one cycle and makes them into a Zelnaga, and then the cycle repeats. They reseed the universe, uh, cultures grow up, and everything like that. During this cycle in which this universe takes place in, um, Amon ends up, Amon, who is a Zelnaga, ends up killing most of the Zelnaga and goes into hibernation. He ends up raising, prematurely starts raising the Protoss, thinking that they would be the next um, perfect species in the cycle so that he could corrupt them and use them for his own will and wants. Uh, he forms the Kala, which was what they use as their communal communication. Uh, through the Kala, you, through the Kala, the Protoss are able to communicate on a deeper meaning than just uh, language. You can feel, you can... Remember, all spirits, I believe, are kept inside the Kala, so nobody's ever truly lost. If you want that ex that memory and that experience to come back, they can just venture into the Kala, find that pe find that individual, and uh, relive the experiences. Once the Kala is formed, however, the Protoss don't really reject Amon, but they so they weren't really the tool that he was looking for, Amon. So he finally ended up taking away, um, in a series of events, ended up taking away the Kala from them, starting the Aeon of Strife, in which most Protoss cultures, or most Protoss lost their uh, togetherness, and there was a lot of civil war, infighting, um, until they were able to rediscover the Kala after many, many years and forgetting that Amon was the one that created it for them. So through the Kala, they were able to rebuild their culture, uh, become a dominant force in this part of the universe, 
tending to newly born civilizations, um, but not really affecting them, not really touching them, just building on their own civilization and making themselves uh, stronger in that sense. Where we pop into in the current StarCraft, when StarCraft 1, is human races have started to come into this universe along with the Zerg race started to be a threat. The Protoss were dealing with the Zerg before the Terrans really started to become a powerhouse in this part of the universe. Uh, however, the Protoss protocol was if we can't kill all the Zerg on the planet, you completely, gla ga you completely glass the planet. So that didn't go over well when Zerg started infesting Terran uh, homeworlds and Terran space because they don't like it when you kill all of their people for what seems like no reason to them. Uh, what ended up happening throughout StarCraft 1, you meet your main characters, Zeratul, uh, which is the, which is a separate culture within the Protoss uh, main culture, the Kala. Uh, they actually deny the Kala. They cut off their nerve cords, which connects them to the Kala. Uh, prizing individuality over uh, unity. The Dark Templar end up going, and they were per persecuted and sent to, well, they uh, escape to a different world in which they live, but they still do whatever they can to help the Protoss race uh, as a whole. Zeratul being one of the uh, main characters that you meet from the Dark Templar, ends up meeting up with uh, Tassadar, who is the, I believe, the leader of the Protoss force, main forces for Iyer. Um They both end up befriending each other uh, once the threat of the Queen of Blades pre represents itself and the Overmind represents itself. Uh, they do end up losing their homeworld of Iyer to the Zerg. Uh, but Tassadar is able to sacrifice himself to kill the Overmind. So that's good and bad because you don't really want to lose Tassadar. He was kind of this uh, huge figure for the Protoss. Um, Shakuris is where all the Protoss that were living on Ire are able to escape to. Shakuris is the Dark Templar world. Uh, there you find out that the Queen of Blades, Sarah Kerrigan, had actually taken over the mind of the leader of Shakuris, the dark of the dark Templar. Uh, they end up regaining their stability on Shakuris. And from there, uh, the Protoss end up building up their armada for, I think it's somewhere around 10, 15 years, maybe a little less, uh, but they do build back up their army ship armada to retake uh, Iyer they end up going to Ire, uh, in which Zeratul or Zeratul warns the new, the new leader. Oh, sorry. So the uh, Armada is led by Arturus, who takes over for Tassadar, uh, who you do meet in the original StarCraft as well. He ends up going down there. Um, Zeratul warns against it. Once he's down there, they're doing pretty decently against the Zerg. Uh, what ends up happening is you find out that Amon is actually where he went to hibernate was inside the Kala. So he ends up taking control of all taking control of all the minds of the Protoss that were inside the Kala. 
Zeratul is able to free uh, Arturus from from this by severing his uh, by severing his nerve cord. Uh, realizing this, Arturus goes around and frees such frees all of the Protoss from their nerve cords, uh, allowing them to regain their minds. But at this time, essentially never being able to have that deep connection or a place for their souls to go after they die. They go on a journey throughout. They're part of StarCraft II, uh, figure out how to beat Amon, where uh, they need to be, what they need to do, uh, collecting different allies along the way. Uh, one unlikely ally, ha ha ha, are the Taldrim, which are a race of Protoss that were already following Amon, but a splinter force that realizes Amon does not care about them, uh, breaks off, led by all. I'll crack. I'll crack. I think I'm not going to probably say that right. Uh, and he joins on for obviously selfish reasons, uh, but in the end, it all works out for both of them. Uh, they also do find a project in which memories were implanted into advanced AIs of warrior soldiers, and they were called the Immortals, I believe. Sorry, my apologies. They were called the Purifiers. Uh, and the Templar Warriors. Where we first meet this one is the fighting spirit of a hero that we meet in StarCraft One called Phoenix. Is put into one of these warriors, thinks he's Phoenix, thinks he's in a Dragoon. Which is basically where you would put very heavily damaged uh, Protoss bodies into these things called Dragoons that could fire at the ground or the air. Um, he comes to find out that he's actually a purifier and that he's just an advanced AI with Phoenix's memories in him. Uh, but a deal is struck between them and uh, Arcturus to give the purifiers their autonomy once the war, the end war is over. Uh, for the most part, that's where we kind of go. Uh, you can play the rest of the game to find out what happens how they defeat Amon and what happens after that. Um, but yeah, that's really a lot of what the protest culture is. Um, go ahead and read it on your own if you'd like. But now onto the deck. Templar. At long last, we stand at the threshold of destiny. For today... We will restore the glory of our legacy. Today, we will retake what we have lost and reclaim our homeworld. And may the Kala's light guide us. The invasion fleet stands ready. We await only your command, Hierarch. You must halt this invasion at once. Zeratul! Templar! Arrest this traitor! No! We will hear him out. So, if you get a chance, all of these cutscenes are definitely great to watch. Uh, even if you don't play the games, just watch the cutscenes. They're so good. So, let's start off with our resources. Obviously, those are going to be our mana ramping artifacts and stuff like that. Uh, Brea, Ethereum Sculptor, is the commander for this. Uh, he, she can, they can, sorry, they can represent, they can represent just a Protoss, uh, so 
the one thing I really liked, and I think I mentioned it about it in StarCraft 1, is that you really felt like you were part of the story. You were always talked to like you were the next uh, big thing, whereas in StarCraft 2, you play as characters that are already developed, uh, where I really liked being part of the story. So Brea can really be uh, a Protoss that is up-and-coming general or whatever you'd like it to be. That's what I always pictured the generals being. So let's start with our resources. Our uh, requires more minerals and our Vespian gas. Uh, we are going to be playing a lot of talismans. Obviously, we're going to play every talisman that's in our color. So talisman of progress, talisman of dominance, talisman of creativity, and then the white-black talisman. Soul ring. Skyclave relic can kind of be... Because there are a lot of artifacts that are found throughout the game that are harken back to the Eon of Strife before that when Amon was kind of raising them. So... Skyclave Relic can kind of represent one of those kind of relics. All of the Signets, including Arcane Signet, we're going to be playing. Chromatic Lantern as well. Um, just represents all of our resources that we're going to be gathering. One main... Uh, now onto the units and kind of some of the buildings. One of the main buildings that is super important that you're going to hear every time you play StarCraft is going to be your pylons... So these are the things that allow you to have units and also are places to teleport units onto in the later games, which is super cool. Uh, we have our pylons rep represented by uh, Shimmer Mirror, three mana, two, two, flash. All artifacts you control uh, have flash. This can represent teleporting your Protoss into the fighting realm. Uh, one of our, our representation for the Dark Templar, because in... Number two, you don't get to play a lot of Dark Templar. In Brood War, you get to play a lot of Dark Templar. So, the representation for our Dark Templar, uh, Ghostly Pilferer, one and a blue for a 2-1. When it, when it becomes untapped, you may pay two. If you do, draw a card. Um, whenever a opponent casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card. Discard a card it can't be blocked this turn. So the Dark Templar units are always stealthed, and they're really good for using as recon. Uh, they're a little expensive because that's why people usually use their uh, drones to do it. But if you have a Dark Templar, why not? The High Templar units, these are the ones that are able to cast different spells to uh, slow targets down, deal targets... Uh, damage in an area we're going to have that represented by deputy of detention one white blue for a one three when it enters the battlefield exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls and all permanents that have the same name when it leaves the battlefield you can return them all to the battlefield so this i think it obviously represents it really well because if you hit like a token so like a zergling and all the other tokens of that name disappear along with it uh, it just allows it to uh, be really versatile in that way. Uh, a unit that's only found really in StarCraft One, which is the Scout. The Scout is a... Well, actually, I guess you do get to see it in StarCraft II. Um, I just don't think you get to build it. Uh, but anyways, the Scout is a air and ground assault vehicle. We have it represented by Arcbound Ravenger. Uh, Arcbound Ravenger, two mana for zero, zero, modular one, sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one, plus one counter on target 
are on Arcbound Ravager. Next one we have up is the Dragoon. So we're going to be having that as the Arcbound Reclaimer. Dragoons are the ones where you put a heavily damaged Protoss into, and they're still able to serve. Um, we're going to have that being Arcbound Reclaimer, obviously dealing with the graveyard, uh, being able to salvage a unit, uh, remove a plus one plus one counter from Arcbound Reclaimer, uh, put target artifact card on top of your library, it has modular two, and it is a four mana zero zero. Next one we have up is the Observer. The Observers are always cloaked as well, but they don't really have any combat. They're literally used just for um, scouting ahead. They are small drone-like car or small drone-like machines with limited AI. Just so you know, the Protoss do use quite a few robotics to assist them. Uh, so there are going to be a lot of uh, robot, so artifact creatures, in this deck defining who the Protoss are as warriors. Uh, they don't shy away from a fight, but a lot of the times to assist in their numbers because they are very long-living races. I don't think I mentioned this. So they actually can live for th up to a thousand years. So with any race that is long-lived like that, breeding is very low. So what ends up happening is you end up supplementing your army forces with robots. So obviously the Observer, we're going to be have it represented as Hope of Gearper. One mana, one one, flying, legendary artifact, creature Thopter. Uh, sacrifice it until your next turn target player who was dealt combat damage by Hope of Gearper can't cast non-creature spells. The Void Ray. The Void Ray is a flying unit that deals damage. Uh, one laser beam to one single target, flying or non. And as it charges, it deals more and more damage as it's on that one target. We're going to have it represented by Molten Steel Hellkite. Four mana, Phyrexian Red, Phyrexian Red for a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, you has flying. And you can pay one Phyrexian Red to give it plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. The Sentry is a unit that is used to uh, block off areas by putting bubbles of shields down. Um, it also has a attack ray. I think a few other abilities as well. But we're going to have that represented by Crystal Crystalline Crawler. Four mana for a 1-1. One, one. Converge. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it enters with plus one, plus one counter for each man mana of any color that was spent on it. Remove a plus one, plus one counter to add one mana to your mana pool. Tap, put a counter on Crystalline Crawler. Uh, I think it's just a really good way because they're more of a support unit anyways. And this is more of a support card. So we have our basic unit, the Zealot. So Zealots are Protoss warriors that are armored and shielded and basically cost for one unit of a zealot it costs for the same for four zerglings and they about equal out in the damage uh way as well i thought a really good representation of this would be esper sentinel for one white for a one one artifact creature human soldier whenever an opponent casts their first non-spell each turn draw a card unless that player pays x where x is its power so when you're looking at the art, it has two blades on both hands. Almost all zealots also have two side blades on each hand that they create themselves. 
Uh, so I thought that would work out really well. Some cards kind of representing the Protoss, the Protoss hive mind and their psi abilities. We have psychic possession, which is something that the Dark Templar, um, the Dark Templar Archons can do. Uh, they can actually control a unit, and you used to be able to control a drone or an SCV and start making the units from those other armies, but they ended up taking that ability away, I think, in StarCraft II. You were still able to mind control, but you couldn't start building their buildings and their units. Uh, Psychic Possession, really cool card. I think everybody should kind of start thinking about playing it, if you can. Two blue-blue enchantment aura, enchant opponent. Skip your draw step. Whenever enchanted opponent draws a card, you draw, you may draw a card. So say you have that one person with the Consecrated Sphinx out. So every time they draw two cards, you also draw two cards. But at that point, you guys would both draw, keep drawing cards until one of you wanted to stop. But anyways, any other thing, you could even have it to be where you're going to play multiple cards in a turn and your opponent has a Ristic Study and you can both draw cards. So that can work out well. Hive Mind represents the Hive Mind in the sense of the Kala. So five and a blue enchantment. Whenever a player, whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, each other player copies that spell. Each of those players may cast may choose a new target for the copy. Just got to represent the Kala really well. Energy field. One and a blue prevent all combat dam prevent all damage dealt to you from a source you do not control. Whenever a card is put into your graveyard, sacrifice energy field. I think this is a really good way to show the shielding that is around all Protoss units and all Protoss buildings. So it's an energy shield. Have an energy shield. The next two cards here are Fumigate and Wrath of God. Uh, these both represent Fumigate being destroying all the Zerg on a uh, chosen planet, as well as Wrath of God. It kind of is like a godlike entity coming down, glassing your planet just to get rid of a infestation. The Immortal Unit. Now, these are heavy units that are strictly ground attacks. Uh, they are used to mow down siege tanks, any big artillery units. Uh, we have it represented, and they also are just like the Dragoons, but they were just switched over for StarCraft II. Um, so they do have a damaged... Protoss unit inside of them. Uh, we're having it represented by the master or by Masticor. Four mana for a four four artifact creature. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may choose and discard a card from your hand if you do not sacrifice it. You can pay, and then it has the abilities: pay two, deal one damage to target creature, and then pay two, uh, regenerate it. You don't have to tap it to activate either of those. Our Archon, our giant Archon, in which you take two High Templar, combine them, and then they become this massive unit that can attack ground or air units. Um, we have represented by M Metalwork Colossus. Metalwork Colossus is four, or 11 mana for an artifact creature construct. When Metalwork, Col or Metalwork Colossus costs X less to cast, where X is the total converted mana cost of non-creature artifacts you control. And then you can sacrifice two artifacts to return it from your graveyard to your hand. It's a 10-10. The 
version, the Dark Templar version of this, the Dark Archon, we have represented by Blightsteel Colossus, 12 mana for an 11-11, Trample, Infect, Indestructible, if it would be put into your graveyard from everywhere, shuffle it back into your library. The Mothership, which is strictly in StarCraft II, uh, we're going to have represented by Triplicate Titan, 9 mana for a 9-9, Flying, Vigilance, Trample, Artifact Creature, Golem. When it dies, create a 3-3 Golem Artifact Creature token with Flying, a 3-3 Golem Artifact Creature token with Vigilance, and then another one with Trample. Something that all the motherships can do is they can create a Psionic Storm, which would drag all units in a certain area into a Void area, and once it wears off, those units would come back. We're going to have that represented by Cyclonic Rift. Obviously, two mana with an overload cost, return all uh, non-land permanents. You do not control to their owner's hands. Portals, because Protoss use quite a few portals in the games, in the stories, everything like that. So we're playing a bunch of portals. Um, Thran Temporal Gateway is four mana for an artifact where you can pay for and put a historic spell or historic permanent from your hand into the battlefield. Prototype Portal is 4 mana, imprint an artifact onto it, pay X, where X is the converted mana cost of the imprinted card, create a token copy of it. Planner Portal is 6 mana for an artifact, pay 6, search your library for a card put into your hand. Erratic Portal is 4 mana uh, for an artifact, pay 1, tap it, return target, creature to those owner's hands unless they pay 1. And then Corrosive Portal, 4 mana, Will of the Council, at the beginning of your end step, Starting with you, each player votes for Carnage or Homage. If Carnage gets more votes, sacrifice Cross the Portal, destroy all non-land permanents. If Homage gets more, you draw a card. The Carrier, or, yep, the Carrier, which is a giant unit that uses smaller units to go out and attack um, ground or air. Uh, one of the biggest, kind of like the battle cruiser for... Uh, the Protoss, we're going to have it represented by uh, Thopter Assembly. Six mana for a 5-5 five, five flying artifact creature Thopter. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control no Thopters other than Thopter Assembly, return Thopter Assembly to its owner's hand. Create 5-1-1 one, one Thopter, uh, Thopter creature artifact tokens with flying. And then the Probe is the small unit that is inside of the... Uh, carrier, which is going to be our Thopter of Paradise. Two mana for a 0-2 flying tap to add one mana to your mana pool. Phoenixes are units from... Phoenixes are units that attack strictly air, but also can put a bubble around a unit, bring it up, and start attacking as though it's an air unit. Uh, we're going to have that be our Ether Swarm Adjudicator. Four mana for, or four and a blue for a 4 4 artifact creature, Vidalkin Knight, flying. You can pay one black, white, tap it, destroy target creature or enchantment, and then you can pay two and a blue, untap it. The Warp Prism is a, uh, I believe, a robotic unit which will set down a temporary pylon in which you can warp onto. And that's basically all it does. So it's basically your transportation uh, unit. We're going to have that be uh, Kadeltha Forge Master for 5 mana. For a 3-5 artifact creature construct, 
tap it, sacrifice three artifacts, search your library for an artifact card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. The Stalker. The Stalker is the Dark Templar version of the Immortal, which we see a lot more in StarCraft II, uh, which is going to be our Walking Ballista. Uh, Stalkers shoot out a single beam that deals damage to either flying or ground units. It is a ranged unit, so Walking Ballista I thought would fit perfectly. XX for a 0 0. When it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, pay four, put a plus one plus one counter on Walking Ballista, remove a plus one plus one counter from Walking Ballista, deal one damage to any target. Colossus. So the Colossus unit is a strictly ground unit, but it is also treated as a flying unit because it is so big. Um, it deals devastating damage to light units by shooting out a giant beam. Uh, I'm sure there's another card that represents it a little better than this, but I do like... Arcbound Overseer for 8 mana for Artifact Golem. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on each creature you control with Modular. And then it has Modular 6. My apologies. So actually, uh, Thopter, Thopter of Paradise is going to be our probes. My apologies. The probes are the basic unit, just like the SCV and the drones, that go around and build the units. The interceptors are the small units that come out of the carrier and deal damage to either ground or flying units. We're going to have that be represented by Walking Ballista. Uh, has basically the same text as... Wa or, my gosh, I messed that up. As Hangerback Walker. So similar text to Walking Ballista, except instead of being able to remove a counter to deal one damage to any unit... Actually, I'm just going to read it. XX for a 0, zero when it enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. When it dies, put X put a 1-1 one, one colorless stopter creature token with flying onto the battlefield for each plus 1 plus 1 counter that was on it. You can pay 1, tap it, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it. So that one, I think, represents the uh, interceptors for the carriers a lot better. The Ravenger, which is also a StarCraft 1 unit more, uh, is a unit that is strictly ground, strictly attacks ground, and it sends out small bombs that go out and detonate next to the unit that you want them to. Uh, the Ravenger, we're going to be have, we're going to have it as the mere battle sphere. For 7 mana, for 4-7, when it enters the battlefield with 4 plus 1, or with 4, 1-1 one, one mere creature tokens, and then when it attacks, uh, you may tap x mirror you control it gets plus x plus zero until end of turn and deals x damage to target creature or planeswalker uh it's attacking now on to some of the named characters that we have uh with the purifiers we're going to have bosch iron golem uh bosch iron golem is eight mana for a six seven trample you can pay three and a red sacrifice an artifact bosch deals that much damage to any target equal to that artifact's converted or mana value. My apologies. Uh, Carax. Carax is a you, character you meet in StarCraft II uh, that is strictly has everything to do with uh, the technology and building mechanics and everything like that for StarCraft II. We're going to have it as Arkham Daxum for three and a blue. For a 2 2, you can tap it. Uh, target artifact creature. Target artifact creatures controller sacrifices it. 
That player may search their library for a non-creature artifact uh, and put it into the battlefield, then shuffle their library. Tassadar, like I explained, Tassadar was the uh, first general that we get to meet in StarCraft One. Uh, Tassadar is represented by Ajani Vengeant for two red-white. Planeswalker, three loyalty. You can plus one. Target Pervident doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Minus two. It deals three damage to target creature or player, and you gain three life. Destroy, and then minus seven, destroy all lands target player control. So the minus seven is really like when Tassadar shoots his carrier uh, with Dark Templar and Protoss Energy into the Overmind. Rohana is a unit you meet in StarCraft II. She is kind of the arbiter of all Protoss knowledge. They really dedicated their lives to the Kala and understanding it. And through them, you would be able to recall any event that has happened in the Protoss life. Uh, Rohana is going to be represented by Elspeth Sun's champion for white, white for a planeswalker for loyalty plus one add three white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield minus three destroy all creatures with power four or greater minus seven you gain an emblem with creatures you control get plus two plus two and flying into uh forever ha zaratul the dark templar i was talking about i'm gonna have be ashiok dream renderer for one uh demir demir for a five loyalty legendary creature or legendary planeswalker Spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause the controller to search the library. Minus one target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyards. Phoenix, the undead warrior that we meet in StarCraft 1, uh, is going to be Tezzeret Artifact, Artifact Master. For three blue blue for a five mana or five loyalty creature, plus one make a thopter. Minus or minus zero, draw a card if a if you control three or more artifacts, you draw two, and then minus nine, you gain an emblem at the beginning of your end step. Search your library for a permanent and put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library for the Taldrim and a, as a whole. We're gonna have Brea's or Brina's apprentice two in a red artifact creature, human artificer. When it enters the battlefield, create a one one Thopter. You can tap it sacrifice an artifact choose one exile the top card of your library until in your turn you can play that card oh sorry until the end of your next turn you can play that card or target creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn it is a three two two three ha huh. and then for the purifier uh leader the taldar i believe his name is uh the phoenix reincarnation as an ai uh taldar we're gonna have it be Cataclysm Gear Hulk for three white white for a four five artifact creature construct vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, uh, each player chooses a artifact, a creature, and enchantment, and a planeswalker from among permanent non-land permanents they control, sacrifice the rest. The last part we have here, this is gonna be the last bit before the lands, and the lands are basically uh, just all the shocks, uh, all the tri-lands. Uh, artifact lands and academy ruins we have our upgrades that protoss can go through so again another way to do show the defense grid ha sorry the shielding units would be with defense grid for two mana artifact during each player's turn each other player 
player's spells cost three more. Ghost Way, I have it represented as the uh, shadow way that the Protoss go through when becoming a Dark Templar. Uh, they do something called the Shadow Walk that they have to go through. Uh, Lightning Greaves is Lightning Greaves and Swiftfoot Boots are both the upgrades to make your Zealots faster. Momentary Blink is the blink mechanic for the Stalkers. Path to Exile, again, representing the exile of the Dark Templar from the mainline Protoss Force. Uh, if you want to give all of your any and all of your units the Psy Swords that your Zealots have, we have Sword of Light and Shadow and Sword of Ward and Peace. And then uh, Swords of Plowshares is, I guess, kind of just... Hopefully the Protoss can go back to being peaceful, but we'll see. Um, I don't know if I read Bray's abilities. Bray's abilities is R when it enters the battlefield with, or it enters the battlefield with two Doctor creature tokens with flying. You can pay two, sacrifice two artifacts, choose one, deal three damage to target player or planeswalker. Uh, target creature gets minus four, minus four, or you gain five life, and then they are a four four. So that was it. That was the entire deck list. Uh, if you want to see it, I'm going to post it in the uh, description for this cast. And let's get on to a note to wizards. You wound me, Artemis. You strive to maintain this flawed existence. But you will not stop me. Amon, I have destroyed your Terran army eradicated your hybrid facility and turned your servants to my side all that is left is your destruction impudence back you are insignificant in the face of the salvation i bring you will come to ire and die Um, when it comes to a note to wizards, I have sent out a few in the obvious time between. So let's take a look at some of those. How's everybody? I hope you're all doing well. Or kind of, I want to evolve this section into just a question for uh, the wider community, I guess. So one question I pose to everybody is, does your playgroup ever end a game before it has completed? Like, everybody's done everything they wanted to but the game is not over yet so when it comes to that do you feel like oh, okay we've all done everything we wanted to we know this game will probably go on for another two hours but we kind of want to get another game in do you all just agree to concede have you ever just been like all right we're done we understand you're about to win that's fine uh like it would take you another like seven turns for you to win but let's get another game in uh, so what's your opinions on that? How do you think that would go? Uh, I've done it a few times, but not too, too many. Uh, I was just wondering if it would be a good idea. But anyways, all right, everybody. Uh, with that, let's go on to the outro. Your nerve cords chain you to its will. They must be removed.
so yeah, uh, I just wanted to say thank you everybody so much for sticking with me. Uh, if you're listening to this episode, if you're new, that's great. Uh, we're going to, it was hard to do a trilogy, um, but I think we're going to move on and maybe do a D&D themed one because D&D set is coming out. It's going to be really easy. Uh, or maybe just one of the decks that I've been building lately, kind of a brew session. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at wolfystar12 at gmail.com. Uh, or you can tweet at me at wolfiemtg on Twitter. Uh, I usually am on Twitter a lot more, so you can always get a hold of me. I try to make a post at least once a day if I can um, on Twitter. So thank you so much. Uh, if you have any suggestions, if you want to reach out to me, please do so. Uh, I'm always willing to talk to anyone and talk about anything. Uh, thank you again, and I hope to see you all, and keep it thematic. You about ready to get out of here, cowboy? Yeah.